This is Quentin James, and you are listening to Tanya Tate Presents Skinfluer Success Podcast. This is Tanya Tate. Skinfluencer Success. people who are looking to level up your loot. I'm Tanya Tate and this is my podcast, Tanya Tate Presents Skinfluencer Success. On today's show, the cost of being thankful. And my guest is Quinton James, a British model, actor, musician turned adult star. We will be discussing how you can enter the adult industry as a male, plus dealing with self-confidence and relationships whilst being on camera. The superfan sponsor of this episode is Kev. Shout out of gratitude to Kev, our sponsor, for helping make this podcast possible. You too can support this podcast and become a sponsor via my Patreon channel. So what have I been up to? I want to start out by acknowledging Michael Fatterosi of Porn Law. So I've known Michael for probably 13 years he is a lawyer who is skilled in the adult entertainment industry. I've used his services for things such as trademarks, contracts, and also model releases, which by the way, is something really important that you need when you're creating content. You don't just need the model contract from OnlyFans or Pornhub. You need actual full-on model releases. That way you can get to share your content on all the platforms. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> Something happened just a few days ago and the whole of the industry were talking to each other online and sharing a rogue site that had used our names, image, trademark on a retail site that had used our names, image, trademark on a retail website with the intention to sell a sex doll. No one gave permission. No one had contracts. No one said, okay, you can sell a doll of me. The website looked to be selling dolls without giving any compensation to the people whose name, likeness, trademark they were using. And actually, none of the dolls looked anything like us. I just felt like they put a, up a website with a load of dolls and somehow obtained a list of well-known adult performers and just randomly matched them to each page. The intention looked to drive traffic using our name. So if someone Googles Tiny Tate toy, Tiny Tate doll, it, their intention would have been for, to find that page. Well, of course, that's not where you get my toy from. If you do want my toy, I have one. I have an amazing collaboration with a company called Kiru and you can get my Feel Tanya Stroker from them, feeltanya.com. That's a nice, quick, easy way to get to it. To get that up and running, there was contracts and actually Michael Fatterosi was one of the people involved in that as he was able to look over my contract and advise me. 
And with the contract, it's I'm giving them permission and in return, I'm getting a royalty from the toy, as well as a, obviously a whole lot of other things that get involved in the contract. So this rogue website, no contracts, no nothing. And I also noticed on the bottom of each page on the Rogue's website was an ad that would send traffic to other places. So it was using a program that money is made, you know, when you click, traffic clicks through, money is made per click. So I saw that Michael Fatarosi was tweeting about this and he was offering performers to get in touch with him if you've been affected by the scam site. And also shout out to Alexis Fox, my friend, because she also texted me to show me the site and there I was. So this site suddenly appears. We don't even know where it appeared from. It just appeared from. Now everyone is sharing the site with comments like WTF being mentioned. Because the, the, these dolls are just like crazy. Didn't look like us. So Michael Fatarosi was offering to include anyone who would be affected by the rogue site. To send a cease and desist notice on their behalf. And he offered this for free for the whole of the adult industry, which is amazing. I shared the information with friends via text and on Twitter. And also I have my clients at my publicity company, Star Factory PR. So Michael was offering anyone to get in touch and to give him an email to authorize him acting on their behalf and also the link to the page. And as a consequence, now the site looks to be online still. However, the dolls in our name have been removed and the affiliate company offering the traffic click program looks to be removed. I want to say a massive thank you to Michael for taking the time to, to make this happen. He put a letter together and I was copied in on this letter because I was obviously on the list. And it was probably about two pages with a lot of legal quotes, why you can and can't do the things that you're doing. And many pages followed listing everyone's name and direct URL. And Michael was asking them to take every single page down that he was quoting in his legal letter. So Michael didn't charge anybody for this and he acted really fast. And I think that this is really amazing that he was willing to help us free a charge. And I want to give a big thanks out to Michael and really share the amount of gratitude that I feel for what he did. It takes nothing to say thank you and feel gratitude. I did say thank you to Michael and he just said, it's not needed. But to me, it felt like it was needed. And you know what? It made me feel good, the acknowledgement. Have you ever felt that you, you say thank you to someone and you, you feel the amount of gratitude in your heart and it costs nothing to say thanks and it feels good to say thanks. Every morning, I awaken with a sense of gratitude for a new day and for being precisely where I am in life. Each day, I dedicate at least 8 to 15 minutes to mindfulness breathing exercises. And some of my routines for shooting content is to get my mind in a focus of gratitude as I start each day. So if I'm doing a collab, if I'm shooting a collab with someone, um, I usually try and ask, can we start like 12 p.m. or later? And this gives me time for dealing with my son, Ozzy, and making sure he gets to school. Um, if any of you know my son, Ozzy, you've seen him. He's, he, he does come on my YouTube and Instagram lives. And he he's amazing. And he's full of energy. 
and when he's in the room the focus is on him <laughs> so sometimes it's really hard to get to focus on other things but once he's at school it's really quiet in the house and this is when I am really be able to focus on what I want to do I try and pack my suitcase the night before so I've got everything ready so I then pull out my makeup and my vanity mirror and get everything set up to do my own hair and makeup or sometimes I book a makeup artist it, it depends um what the shoot is and whether I feel that I would like or need a more professional makeup artist Then I run a hot bath and add Epsom salts and I get in the bath and I put on my headphones and I find something that's going to relax me. I find a meditation, but more specifically a breathwork meditation. And I lay quietly for 20 minutes, listening, meditating, breathing. I find peace and quiet really clears my mind from racing thoughts I can think about my intention for the day and plan it to be fun and productive. So when it comes to shooting content, it's a very specific visualization where I'm visualizing being on the shoot and making amazing content. I get the feeling inside me that I'm really happy making the content. I'm visualizing my fans when they get to see the content, how satisfied and excited they will be. And I also feel gratitude towards the people that are going to be making a day run nice and smooth. So from the camera or video person to the location to the other talent that I'm going to be working with, appreciation that they want to work with me and they are also ready to make it an amazing day. So this week I actually shot content, um, and I booked Ivan, an award-winning industry director, to come and shoot this for us. And he does amazing camera work. And I've been with him on site before. When we shot with Jill Casty and Alex Lynx, that was the first time really that I've had Ivan shoot it. And it was great. Ivan, it's relaxing, it's professional, it's fun, it's productive. So I set up a collab with a guy called Zane Walker because I got feedback from my fans. They wanted more boy-girl content. So I reached out to him and I set up the collaboration. And then I suggested, you know, maybe we should bring another girl to work with us on the collab. And he said he'd seen Jill Cassidy on one of my preview trailers on Twitter and suggested I invited her. She said yes, and I'm like, great. Jill's amazing. She's super sweet, super professional. Now, when it comes to choosing to shoot content with a guy, you don't always know what they're capable of in terms of performance. So for females, we can, to a point, continue to keep shooting throughout the day. Maybe we might need a little rest, but there's no physical barrier to stop us. However, for a male performer, he needs a certain area of his body to keep working. So we planned for a three-way collab and then I suggested maybe we could do a second scene of the day, something less strong and find, you know, whatever we get, we get. So on the day, it turns out that Zane was having just such an amazing time that he wanted to keep going with us the whole of the day. And I was like, yes, let's do this. 
And we ended up with three standalone scenes, which is really super amazing. And I was so happy with the day. It's, we, we got a lot of stuff. When it comes, you, you're going to be absolutely amazed with it. And afterwards, Zane asked me if I had constructive criticism. And it was reminded me of when I was first in the industry, when I would shoot and I would ask the director for feedback, you know, as soon as we finished the scene, because I wanted to know how I could improve my skills. I have to say the feedback I gave him was not necessarily in relation to his performance, but simple reminders such as bringing non-branded clothing. I mean, we don't want to put the branding of someone's beer on the front of our (laughs) t-shirt bad boy Zane (laughs) um yeah I I made him change out of that beer promotion t-shirt and hide the waistband logo on his shorts well you know what I was grateful for the trust that you placed in me to provide him with that feedback and I can't wait for you to see the results of the work with me Jill Cassidy and Zane Walker on our premium social media platforms I felt the day unfolded exactly as I had envisioned. I acknowledged that dedicating time in the morning to prepare both my body and my mind for the shoot significantly contributed to the overall productivity. I approached the day with gratitude for each of my colleagues. So what is gratitude and what is the cost? Something that touches the core of our humanity is gratitude. Gratitude is a universal language that bridges cultures and connects hearts. But is gratitude always free? There's a cost associated with taking a moment to express thanks. In our fast-paced lives, time is a precious commodity. And pausing to show appreciation demands a conscious effort. I have to make sure every day when I go online... And I'm talking to certain groups of fans to take that moment. It's busy. You're looking here. You're on OnlyFans. You're on Sexpander. You're on Instagram subscribers. Just taking that pause to be thankful. It's a purpose detour from the relentless pursuit of our goals to acknowledge the effort of others. A pause to acknowledge people and experiences that grace our existence. And emotionally, it also requires vulnerability. That willingness to admit that we need others, that other people's contributions really matter to us. We are all in this world together and we couldn't do it alone. I've been thankful for the many people in my life, friends, family, supporters, Without them and their support, I would not be in the place where I am right now. There can also be an expectation tied to gratitude, a social and sometimes personal expectation of a return of the recognition. So when we express our thanks, we anticipate a response, a reaction that validates our acknowledgement. However, have you ever done something for someone and waited them for say thank you, but you heard nothing back? This expectation, while natural, can sometimes lead to disappointment if your expectation is not met. And at the workplace, expressing gratitude comes with tangible implications. So acknowledging the contributions of colleagues may require financial investments in awards, celebrations, bonuses, or other forms of recognition. 
And recently we had award nominations announced for the big award shows such as AVN and XBiz, which are big media networks in the adult entertainment industry. That's a perfect example of workplace recognition and gratitude. During certain months with the premium social media platform Sex Panther, they host contests where participants can win bonus prizes by tweeting or posting. So I've actively taken part in these contests on various occasions and have been fortunate enough to be selected as a winner. It's a way for Sex Panther to show appreciation for their models. And speaking of Sex Panther, haha, I also have some exciting news about an appearance I've been invited to make at their booth during next year's AVN Fan Expo in Las Vegas. For those of you that are planning to attend the AVM Fan Expo, I'm going to be announcing my signing schedule for the Sex Panther booth closer to the event so you can drop by the booth and say hi. I am truly grateful for each and every one of you that may be making the trip to come and meet me. So there's a cost for gratitude, but what are the benefits? Gratitude is like a game changer. It's an investment that pays dividends in various aspects of our life. Gratitude fosters a positive work culture. It strengthens personal relationships and contributes to overall well-being. Gratitude should be authentic. By being authentic and really feeling that gratitude in our hearts, not just saying thank you, but feeling it as you're saying thank you. It opens the door to a higher vibration and higher version of ourselves, more aligned with who we are. Studies have shown that expressing gratitude can lead to lower levels of stress, improved mental health, increased happiness, and even better physical health. It reduces stress and cultivates a positive outlook on life. And if it's in the workplace, a culture of gratitude can enhance teamwork, employee engagement, and job satisfaction. Think about working in a workplace where you are appreciated and you appreciate your colleagues. Like, how much of a more productive environment is that as opposed to people that do not appreciate? If you work somewhere, you're not appreciated. You don't appreciate anyone else that's working there. Which place is going to be more productive? Grateful people are happier and more likely to maintain lasting and meaningful relationships. And research conducted by the Institute of Heart Maths suggests that adopting a state of gratitude enhances the rhythmic functioning of the heart. This in turn aids in stress reduction, clearer thinking under pressure and physical healing. Think about this. It's impossible to experience stress and gratitude simultaneously. That saying too blessed to be stressed. Expressing gratitude floods the body and mind with uplifting emotions and endorphins. And these are the opposite of the stress hormones that typically deplete energy. On a more spiritual level, a grateful heart can lead to a greater sense of well-being. It can bring about inner peace and provide a direct connection to the divine source. So while there's a cost to gratitude, small in my opinion, the benefits far outweigh it. And gratitude is an investment in human connection, emotional well-being and the fabric of our society. 
It's a powerful tool that enriches our lives in ways that we may even not realize. Expressing gratitude is like a muscle that grows stronger through daily practice. And as we navigate our busy lives, let's remain mindful of the boundless benefits of gratitude. Gratitude serves as a transformative force, molding the world around us and bestowing upon us spiritual richness. Author and one of my favourite public speakers, John Gordon, has a children's book called Thank You and Good Night. And I love this, the, the words that are in it, and it can teach children an attitude of gratitude. So let me read some of it for you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this night. Thank you for the sun that shines so bright. Thank you for smiles and things that are funny. Thank you for flowers and bees that make honey. We can be adults and be thankful for that as well. I love that. I'm thankful for you. What are you thankful for? So I want to spotlight someone who I feel stands out or has done something interesting on their social media. So this episode's person is a little different. Normally it's a content creator. However, let me introduce this episode's Skinfluencer Success Spotlight person as Michael Fatterosi of Fat Law. So I gave Michael a shout out earlier in this episode. This week he helped take down content on a retail website that was using many of the names, likeness, trademark of performers in the adult industry. Free of charge, he offered to send a cease and desist notice for anyone who was affected. He was offering support about this via Twitter at Porn Law. I'm reading his timeline, there are so many performers that are affected and so many performers that are tweeting at him how appreciative they are for what he's done. So Michael also has a website, pornlaw.com, where there are many tools and legal information that are helpful for content creators. And if you're a fan of the adult industry, there are interesting posts on what is currently shaping our world. So give Michael a follow on Twitter at pornlaw. Tell him Tanya Tate sent you there. And while you're there, drop a comment saying Tanya Tate expresses gratitude for you. Tag some performers who you think deserve to be Skinfluencer Success Spotlight. Tweet me at Tanya Tate. Comment on Patreon at Tanya Tate. YouTube or TikTok at Tanya Tate Tube. Or Instagram at Tanya Tate Create. That is Tanya Tate Create. Or you can leave me a voice note on speakpipe.com slash Tanya Tate. And let me know who you think should be spotlighted and why. Coming up next on Skinfluencer Success, my guest is Quinton James, a British model, actor, musician turned adult star. And we will be discussing how you can enter the adult industry as a male. Plus dealing with self-confidence and relationships whilst being on camera. This is Tanya Tate. Skinfluencer Success. Tanya Tate presents Skinfluencer Success. So I know many men ask me, how do I get into the adult industry? Well, I can share my experience being female. However, I would say generally this is an easier path compared to a male wanting to get in. And once you are into the industry, 
How do you differentiate porn versus real life relationship? How do you keep your confidence without letting any insecurities get to you? My guest is a fellow Brit, a model, actor, singer, musician turned adult star. Welcome, Quinton James, to the Skinfluencer Success Podcast. Oh my God, and the crowd go wild. Thank you, <laughs> Wembley. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Tanya, for having me on here. Thank you for coming. You know what? Now you've just given me visions of. Um, I actually went to see. Off. I went to see Elton John in Wembley. So now you, you went to see Elton John in Wembley. Yeah, years ago, years ago. Oh my god! And I, I have to say, the other day, I was um, I was looking through your Instagram, and there I see you on your piano, just freestyle and Elton John songs. And I was like, oh, oh a, bit, a, bit, a bit of rocket man, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right, my piano's right there behind me. Oh, yeah. oh God. I could have got you to serenaders as well today. Quentin. I should have, I should have got, you, got you serenaders, I know. I, I, I love that I've got a fellow Brit on here and I, and I want everyone to get to know you. So who is Quinton James and what was life like before you started in the adult industry? Who is Quinton James and what is life like before I started in, in the adult industry? Um... Well, Quinton James is me. Yes. Uh, my real name is Christopher Hodgson. It's out there on my Instagram, so it's not any secret that that's not my real name. But Quinton James was born uh, in uh, what's it? Where was it? Like mid April two thousand and eighteen is when Quinton James presented himself to the world. So what so, were you doing before? So you, I know you, you're a musician. You're an yeah. actor. So who was Quinton James, and what was life like for you before you got in the adult industry? Um, who was Quinton James? Um, well, Quinton James was born about April. What was it probably maybe April twentieth to thirtieth in two thousand eighteen. Before that, it was me, just Christopher Hodgson, which is my real name, which everyone knows. Was a was a singer actor dancer in shows on uh on the las vegas strip for 10 years since oh, wow. 2012 what shows were you in i was in a show called 50 shades of gray the parody and then oh, i was nice. in a show called sex tips for a straight woman from a gay man but then before that i was in a show called jubilee so a big showgirl show called jubilee that um uh ran for about 32 years oh wow so some so, of those titles that you just said, then they kind of implied some kind of sex. Yeah. So one of them was called "Sex Tips for a Straight Woman from a Gay Man." So basically, it was a show with three of us. They had like kind of like a celebrity cast in a way. It was a uh, Jay Rodriguez from um, "Queer Eye from the Straight Guy," and then you had Kendra Wilkinson from "Girls Next Door," you know, Playboy. So and then they had me. So I was supposed to be the hunky technician guy, and it was it was like a, reading a book called Sex Tips for a Straight Woman from a Gay Man. So it's supposed to be the audience was like the book club. Yeah. Um, the female was reading the book, but then um, she was very nervous and shy. So I imagine her in like a long skirt, like a little little granny button up thing, and like glasses and like heels and stockings. And then the gay guy comes in, and he like just is like judges it up, you know. And I'm supposed to be the te technician technical guy that comes in. I introduced the show as a as a Russian dude, so I, I was like, oh. my accent was kind of Russian. So I remember those days. It was like, what did I say? Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Stefan. Is everybody here want to have a good time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then I got my then my body got used then. 
So I got, um, and that was in 2015 or 16, I started that show. But yeah, I got naked, basically not naked, but down to my underwear on stage. It was, it was a good show. It was, it was a very good, like, audience participation show. And it was like, yeah. a lot of dialogue, a lot of acting. So that yeah. was a very, very acting-based show. Oh, yeah. that was fun. I was, I was in there for like two years. That was fun. It was a fun show. So, so then what kind of made the move to get into the adult industry? Like, how did you come about that decision? Um, well, me and my wife had an open relationship for, God, since 2015. Um, her idea, not mine, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to make yeah. that clear. It was her idea. I was just a regular showboy. Um, and then she got into this show um, called Zumanity, which is a very sexual show. Yeah. And um, they had ended up having an orgy at the end, you know. So I guess being in that show and having all that sexual pent-up tension with your cast members but not being able to, like, do anything. Um, she just came to me one day and was like, I think we should have an open relationship. And we were together this time, 2015, so we've been together six years, six or seven years at that point. And me being in, uh, actually at that time, I was in Jubilee and uh, surrounded by 50, 60 topless women. Uh, I was like, all right, sure. It's a guy I can get a hall pass, you know what I mean? As a guy, I was at 2015, so I was, must have been, I was 28, 28. I was 2014, 2014, so I was 27, 28. Yeah. But I, I was with the same person for so long that I was like, you know what, fine, let's, uh, let's do this. Yeah. So after she got pregnant in 2017, and this is what, I don't, this is what I've learned over time as men. We do not listen or understand women like we should she was pregnant and then i would go out but it was it was okay for me to go out but i guess she was still carrying my child and i don't you don't even become a dad until that child is born you know what i mean so in that delivery room i was like there is a baby. baby there's a baby there oh my god he's so long and lanky like me why is his head squished so <laughs> after, when the baby was born like after my friends had told me, like, hey, you're going to have to come out with the boys while she's pregnant. She'll be sat at home. When you have a kid, you're going to have to be a dad lord and, like, not go out anymore, which I did. But I stayed home. I was a good dad. But I, yeah. still had that I still had that itch. You know what I mean? We'd done this open relationship for three years before. It was not really on my terms. It was kind of more on her terms in a way. So I was, I guess, six months after that she'd had a baby, I was like, hey, we should try an open relationship again, like, once her vagina was healed and everything like that. But I guess with her um, hormones from having a baby and postpartum and this and some that I don't understand, you know what I mean? As a man, she was like, no, I just want to be a family. I want to do this. But I was like, well, I still want to have sex with other people, you know? Yeah. Probably not the best timing. So she suggested that I do porn. She was like, because we had a friend, um, Alexis Monroe. She was in the porn oh, industry. Yeah. She was a good friend of ours. And she was like, why do you should do porn? Because then at least you get paid to have sex with other people. Yeah. I was like, I'm not, not doing porn. Like, I'm not going to put myself out there. I just want to like, have my cake and eat it a little bit, just like you did for the past three years before. And, and I just kind of had to follow. But now you've had a baby. It's all changed. <laughs> Typical. <Yeah. laughs> you know, I, I have to say, though, in her defense, when you do have a baby, your mind and your body, no, everything it, changes. Exactly. And it's like having a baby inside, it moves everything and changes and stretches. And then when everything kind of, goes back it doesn't quite go back that, and, that, and that's and that's and that's honestly a problem that occurred down the line um so she said why do you go into porn and do this so i did i put they put the seed in there and i think that was in like i might have been 2017 actually because 
my son was born in 2017, uh, May, May 7th, 2017. And I think it was about the six, seven months later. But then it took another six months for me to actually bite the bullet and do it. The seed had been planted in there. Yeah. And I was just going, ooh, should I, should I not? And of course, I'm like 30 years old, 30 years old. Yeah, 30 years old when that when that happened. So I was still like, feel like I'd not experienced everything. Like we'd had an open relationship, but I've been with the same mm-hmm. woman since I was 21. And I just, I guess I just wanted to scratch that itch. But you're right, when things don't go back the same. So my, our sex life, my penis started to hurt her a little bit because she had a prolapsed bladder. But I didn't know this. And I guess yeah. it took her years to, to her sex, her sexual enjoyment with me went down because I guess certain positions just hurt or made her need to pee, especially because I'm curved like this, right. like, like that. So it would, stuff we would do before was not the same as, as after having a baby. Yeah. So, and which I didn't know, like I didn't, I didn't, as you said, I didn't know that it actually does rearrange your insides and spots changed. And because of her prolapsed bladder, her uh, uterine wall, the bladder was just sinking into her, into her um, vaginal canal. So I guess it was just, I would constantly hit it and constantly pain. And I guess it was, but I never got told anything, you know? You don't always know that as a woman, you know, when it changes and it's like, I remember reading stuff because, you know, I had a baby also in 2017. So I think our kids are probably about the same age. Same age, yeah. Yeah. And I remember like just your body grows and it's, and then I'm like, is it ever going to go back? You've seen me like we've, we've shot together. You've seen me like in all my glory, but I was, I was really nervous at first, you know, trying to get the stomach back, trying to get it down, trying to look like it's not got a pop. And yeah. then I would read stuff, oh, inside, it might feel different inside. So I was really nervous. But for me, it just felt fine inside. There was, it didn't seem really? to have affected me. No, but I did my, my breasts, they changed and they were kind of, one of my implants were kind of slightly turned and they went really low. <laughs> and I was wearing a nursing bra for like a few years. So finally I'm like, I need to get my, yeah. you know, my breasts redone. You've Which wearing is, a nursing bra for a few years? Yeah, because the, the, my boobs are so low. If I put a regular bra on, they would sit on my ribs because they, they dropped, you know, with the with the stretching and the pregnancy and yeah. the weight it was breastfeeding. Um, it just it just hurt, and it uh, the the fans loved them because you'd I'd, they'd see them. I'd put the bra on to whatever to do it, you know, to do whatever I was doing, and the fans loved them because they looked like really big. But then when I took the bra off, I was so uncomfortable. Like I just didn't feel confident, you know, it was just like my confidence went, but we don't always talk about it. Like we don't always say. And I think it's very important to talk about because that's what I've learned. Like I didn't know this, you know what I mean? I didn't know this until maybe it was too late, you know, maybe until it it was too late to really do anything that I should have realized that how her body changed from a mental aspect to a physical aspect to obviously the, obviously get insecurities. I remember, I remember she actually got back into shows within three months. She had the baby and she was back into shape lighter than she was oh, b- wow. before, before she got pregnant. But she always yeah. had that same thing. The, uh, her problem always was just the, the bit of loose skin, you know, no matter how yeah. tight the stomach was, it was just always like just a bit of loose, not much. You couldn't tell, but it's that, Mom, like, just if and like the only way to get rid of it is would to tummy tuck, tummy tuck. But uh, the skin wasn't bad at all, 
But that's one thing I know she had a big insecurity about and still does. But yeah, you don't realize how much a woman's body does change for the sake of us having a child. We just plant the seed in there. It's not, I mean, it's like, all right, here we go. For you guys. Okay, so then you've got Alexis Monroe as your friend. You're thinking about it, the seed's there. And now it's like, it's time, it's time. So how did you first get in and like, what was your first experience? Um, I first got in, like they said, you need an agent. So I reached out to OC Modeling, who I'm at home with. And I'd shot a kind of scene a year prior, but it wasn't anything. It was like amateur guys with professional girls. So I shot with Nikki Delano. No idea what I'm doing. This is like pre kind of like pre-planting porn, I think. So I just did an amateur scene with, it was filmed professionally, but they weren't, they weren't an amateur guy, a professional girl. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was so nervous, but I looked back at the video and I was like, you know what, I got it done, all right? Yeah. So once the porn thing was put in my head, I was like, you know what, you've kind of done this before. I sent yeah. the video to OC Modeling, but like, hey, this is my work. Hey. With one, two, two little scenes I did. And then uh, they said, all right, great. Yeah, we like your look. We like this. Have you got photos? Can you get, can you send us like um, photos? So mm-hmm. I got photos done, like fully like the typical like clothes and then naked and everything like that. Hold, yeah. I, remember, I, remember, I remember holding my boner in the, in the shower being like, okay, someone's got to take this. All right, let's get it up and hold it. I hope I was, have, what's the best angle to make it look bigger because it's going to be on a website. And then I had my first scene with um, Horn Pros. I think it was Passion, Passion HD in like April of 2018. And again, I was like, I didn't really know much about Viagra or Cialis or anything like that. So I think I took, I think I took a Cialis. Can't remember. Or I took something, or I took something natural. I don't know. But I got through it anyway, and it was fine. And the director was telling me to open up and show me how to do this and show where the camera is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember, I remember the director's there with a the camera and the girl's foot was like just rubbing his penis while I was like go for it my first ever thing and I'm going and he's going sometimes it happens you know what I mean so because I guess I guess they've oh, yeah. shot before I guess they've oh, shot yeah. before that was my first scene and I, I I remember leaving there going just so like with so much relief because I was so mentally stressed before being like all right this is your this is it don't mess Good it up chance. and I remember it was all I had to do was just walk in like with a boner really and go. And I was there going, oh, okay, stay up, go Okay, stay up. Give myself pep talk in the mirror. In the bathroom, yeah. be like, okay, you can do this. And I, all I was worried about was just staying hard. But that was fine. And then after that, I guess Pandora's box opened. And yeah. my, my thing is, it, I have if I do something, I've got to be good at it. I don't care what it is. If I do something once or twice, I'm like, oh, I've got to be good at it. So I guess I had to become good at it. And then here I am, what, five and a half years later. And you starred in like so many scenes, you know, both for the production companies um, and also you started your um, OnlyFans as well. So premium social media. I started OnlyFans after because back then OnlyFans was just kind of really starting for the industry. And my agent was like, you need to get an OnlyFans. I was like, oh, what's this? And I, I was just more focused on not really content, but scenes. But content was a kind of a thing when I got in that I was like, I don't really know what this is. Like, do we shoot with just us with a camera? Like, how do we make money? And I remember getting used sometimes, even on the sets to be like, hey, can you just film this for a minute for my premium Snapchat is what it was about them. Oh, yeah. My premium Snapchat, like a POV of this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. That's fine. I didn't really start utilizing OnlyFans properly until maybe 
middle middle end of 2018. So right. that's when I started to like, I guess, shoot content and actually do boy girl scenes and do a little bit of solos. Um, but not much. I didn't really. I, the first year, it's very tough for a guy. It's like you got to build up your reputation. Oh, what yeah. is he like on set? How is he friendly? Is he nice? Can he keep it hard? Can he like pop quickly? Like, does he take a long time? Like, or is he have wood issues? Um, yeah. And they call it failing. You know what I mean? I was like, what's failing? It's like, well, if you, I remember hearing this. I was like, well, what's failing? Oh, oh, oh the guy failed. I'm like, what does he mean by the guy failed? Oh, guys, I'm gonna tell you this now. It's not easy. The pressure is on us. If we fail and it's just like a noodle and then they have to call the whole day, meaning nobody gets paid, the crew doesn't get paid, the girl doesn't get paid, and then you might have to pay a um, kill fee to the girl for baby not to be able to perform. That's the stress you're on. A girl can go there and have a stressful day or whatever and just be like, lube, whatever, and go. And then, yeah. and, then, and then on top of that, if you do get through the scene, then you got to be able to like, all right, are you ready to on demand. On demand. demand. But but yeah. some people take a long time. I mean, I'm sure you've experienced it where it's like, okay, come there. It's like, they're sweating. It's like, oh, God, give me five minutes. Okay. And then sometimes I've been in there where it's been a boy, boy, girl. I have to wait an hour for the other guy. It's, it, that's it can be, it, the worst. That's the worst that can happen. You go through the whole of the scene and you're right at the end. And then it's just the guy's not, he can't get to completion. So you've got the crew there, the girl there, any other performers there, and everyone's basically staring at the guy. And it's like either, you know, are you either helping him or you're glaring at him saying, Oh like, yeah. In but, your but face, in... the face is like, hurry up. <laughs> no, it's it's one of those where you gotta know your body. Like I don't I'm luckily for me, Touchwood over here. I am pretty good at timing my body now to be like, all right, my body clock out, all right, 25 minutes. Okay, I've got to start. But within within the whole scene, I'll try and edge. So I'll try and edge to like build it up, to pull it back, to build it up, to pull it back, which I've found is easier when it comes to the pop at the end because I don't want to be there. There's only been a, not even a handful of times where I've had to be like, all right, give me a minute. Normally I can do it from position to go, but it depends on. That's a skill. It's yeah, about most positions skill. I can. They can be like, hey, can you go from here to um, down to the knees? The only time they have to cut is if they have to cut for the setup. Which obviously, when they set it up, it means you go from position. Say the girl go down on her knees, they'll cut, and then you'll get ready, and then they'll start rolling. Mm -hmm. So there's only been probably in my whole five and a half years, two or three times where it's taken me a little longer. There was one time. Oh my god, I was shooting in a garage. I think it was with Michelle Ryan, and it was a garage. Sorry, it was 140 degrees in there. And we're on this little couch, and I'm just like sweating, sweating, and he's like, "All right, two minutes left." And I just went, "Okay, two minutes left." I was like, "I just need a break. I'm so hot." Went into the fridge, put my head in the fridge, did this, that, got back out there. I'm stressing now. My mind is stressing, and I couldn't get a bone for an hour. Couldn't get it up again for an hour, and I'm just there going. And then I'm in my mind. Then I'm two in my head because I'm there with this like half noodle in my hand, just. Right, come on, come on. And then the same thing. Everyone's waiting on me. Everyone's waiting on me. They're going yeah. to cancel the day with two minutes left. And once you get in your head, it's hard for guys to get out. You have mm. to learn to com not compartmentalize, but it's a mental game. It's a mental game for men. It took me an hour. And I remember after that, and I was like, all right, go, let's go. And then we did it. And I finally did it. And I was like, <sighs> but the stress afterwards leaving and the guilt that I felt, I was just like, oh, I can't do that again. So how can I? 
fix that or how can I make that better? Because you have to have said things like that happen to you to be like, how do I not make that happen again? Yeah. So, 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 so for you, it's like, it's, it's finding a way to get into the industry, practicing and then being focused. And yeah, you, before you mentioned like Cialis, like the guys use that in the industry. Yep. I take Viagra. Most times I have sex uh, for on camera for, for, for scene. Cialis and Viagra are two different things. Cialis is uh, a type of uh, ED pill that takes longer to kick in. So Cialis is like they call the weekend drug. So you'll take it. If you say like you, you, your call time's at 12, and I would take it the night before, honestly, because it takes about six to eight hours to, to kick in. Uh, whereas Viagra will just kick in in about 30, 40 minutes. But uh, I think what, I forget what Cialis is. I think Cialis more boosts your libido naturally. And then that naturally keeps the blood vessels like kind of more open or your um, arteries open so blood can get through there more. So when you're horny, mm-hmm. like it, it's just, it's all to do with like, if you have, if you have high blood pressure, it's hard that technically to get hard because you're squeezing your, um, you're, you're shrinking in your uh, arteries. So less blood can go through. The lower your blood, the lower your blood pressure is. Actually, the more it opens. So I think it does do that. I think it lowers your blood pressure, Cialis, and so does Viagra to help open that. But if you take Cialis, do not take it. Don't be like, okay, guys, uh, we're gonna shoot sex stills in thirty minutes. Don't take Cialis. It's not gonna work. You mm-hmm. have to figure out your timing with your body when you're gonna take it. And some people lie about taking it. Some people are honest. Some people get embarrassed about it. But people ask me all the time. Oh, do you take things out? I'm like, yeah, I've got six people watching me. I, it's, it's insurance. Nothing to do with the girl. This, I said, it's insurance. It's just for me to mentally not have to like think as much and be like, all right, there we go. But I still have to get horny. I still have to get yeah. into it. I still have to get into the girl. It's just when it's up and going, the, some of the positions are not comfortable. So, and it can go down, but so it's just an extra insurance to keep the blood in there. But yeah. it's not like people always think, oh, if I take one, am I going to have a bonus for hours? I'm like, no. For me, at least not. Like, I, I have to be mentally in the mood for it to really work. And then once it works, it's just like added insurance. That's yeah. how I look at it. I like that. So we are talking about like different like medications. And I'm just going to give a disclaimer right now in case anyone is listening. If you are going to take any of these, please seek medical advice first. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I had to put that in, and I mean, I'm sure at some point that's what you would have had to do. Well, you no, know, I just... had to. I had to go to a doctor, and I actually told the doctor honestly about what I did. <clears throat> and one of them was like, "Oh no, I can't prescribe you that." So the other one, I just said, "Look, I'm having problems in the bedroom, and um, I need a little boost, and it's embarrassing, and I get in my head, and it's like it's um, dampening on my marriage or my relationship. So can you can you help us out?" And um, they, 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 they gave you it. They check your blood pressure. They check this. Mm-hmm. Um, best advice if you are on it and you do get prescribed. Time, the better to t- time to take it is more of an empty stomach. If you've eaten a lot and then you – I don't who, I mean, I don't really want to like go and shoot if I'm on a full stomach anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, and a, a medium to empty stomach is the best time to take it and lots of water. So can you become over-reliant on like Viagra? I guess so, yeah. I guess you can. I'm sure your body gets used to certain amounts you take. I remember I used to take 100 milligrams uh, of it, and it's too much. Now I take about – then I took 50, and I took, like bite it in half. 
now I buy a 35 or 45 in half because my mind is already, I can get my mind there now that I don't really need too much, you know? Plus I get like, I get like flushed. I get hot. My eyes get red. Um, I get like my nose starts to like block up to blocks up my sinuses because it's, I don't, I don't know why you get side effects from it, but just just some people are going to get side effects Mm -hmm. from it. But I think you do become reliant on it in the industry, uh, especially because I think you just know your body with it. Mm-hmm. So I can see it becoming reliant. I, most people, I, but most people I know take it. There's some people that even inject. You know the injector. I was going uh, to ask injection. about that. What is that? Is that it's it just the same, but it's just directly into the area? Yeah, I think it's called Trimax, but it's like a little insulin needle, and you'll say this is this is the the Johnson, you'll inject it into the top here. And I've, I've done it to try. I think I've done it two or three times. What was the difference? I used to have it. Oh, you will just sit there talking like this and it will just go whoop. But then the head's still soft. But then it traps all the blood in uh, in the tissue. And it will just, it'll stay hard for two, three hours, even after, even after you've finished. Right. So, but I think it's so bad for you because that to me is the worst reliant because it's almost like it's too easy. You do that, inject, go, and it's already ready to go. You don't have to worry about, all right, I've got to get it up, okay. You don't have to worry about it going down. It takes off a lot of that mental stress. But to me, I think you can get disconnected too from it because it's already there. I mean, I don't know. When When I tried it, I didn't really like it because I felt a little bit numb and I felt like it was sometimes too hard. And then also mentally, I was like, I don't know if I can mentally get into the scene as much, you know, because I'm already, it's already there. It's already done. And it's already basically synthetically enhanced mm-hmm. by something that you just put in there. So with at least regular Viagra or Cialis, you still have to get horny. And I'm, I mean, and then you've got to get horny to finish. You know what I mean? That's something. But for me, I just found it a little bit more difficult. Yeah. But with the pressure, the pressure. in the shoots, I see why people yeah. do it. And I mean, so you've also got the pressure, you've got, you know, you know, you've got to do a good scene, but what about, how can you stay focused? You know, if you get to set and I've, I've been there before, you know, um, I've been to set and you turn up and like the other person's not into you, you know, um, the chemistry's not there. There's something quite off. Like what are some tips to kind of stay focused and get through that scene? Everyone's different for me. I'm a big chemistry person. Yeah. Uh, everyone's going to have different physical attractions to different people. That's life. That's natural, you know? I kind of feel sorry sometimes for the girls, too, because some of these guys have, like, massive stonkers, but they're not really the most attractive people. You have both. You have both, Quinton. I'm going to say that right now. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you. i got a nice willy and a pretty face, so it's all right then, love. You got it all right. <laughs> um, I think that I think the the key for me is um, always finding some. I always like to have a conversation before I shoot because to me personality is very attractive. Um, so I get to gauge who they are, try and make them laugh a little bit, uh, just get to know them as, as them. You know what I mean? Just just general chit chat banter, uh, and then if they're you, if you build a vibe, then you flirt a little bit with them off camera, like not too much, not overthinking, but just like. Like touch the shoulder like this, or just make sure that they are like validated, like with how they look mm-hmm. and everything like this. Or you find something about them, make sure that you can give them 
um, compliments as well because that's the things that I will focus on in the scene is those things that I like or the things that you like. Or I'll ask them what they like as well. So when I do the scene, I'll focus on the things that they like because it turns me on turning you on um, with the communication you've told me about what you like because that's what I think men should do. You need to listen. Men need to listen to women. If they tell you something, then you do it. And the, the, one of the biggest things I've found with a lot of people, it's like when a girl's like, oh my God, keep going, keep going, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop right there, I'm going to come. Guy gets so excited and he's like, oh no. And she's like, I said don't stop, I couldn't help it. No. And I, I find that's a big issue, like a lot of guys not being able to last because, but I mean, hey, you listen, she said don't stop and you try to not stop, but it, for much. me, that's really hot. That's, that's <laughs> To me, that's a big, big turn on. If a girl's like, "Keep going, keep going," you're gonna make me come. I just got that. To me, I'm like, "All right, okay." And I sometimes tell the girls, "I'm like, tell me, like, um, even if you're not," I said, "I might tell them to like, hey, if you're gonna come, tell me, like, if even if you're gonna come, tell me, like, especially when we're close, because mentally, that's a good mental stimulation for me. And a lot of it's verbal. Like, I, I like a lot of kind of dirty talk. I like talking like close. Um, like in certain dominance, but not in like, it doesn't have to be in a BDSM way, but like just like a little hand around the neck on, and seeing how they do, but not too hard. And this is what I've learned as I got older. But communication, it's all communication. Yeah. Life is communication. Sex is communication. And I think if you communicate, it, it, takes, it takes a lot of the other stipulations away of physical attraction or stuff like that. Because I think mental attraction then is sometimes more important. We're all going to get old. We're all going to get fatter. We're all going to get uglier. But your personality and your mental communication and how you are as a person is what's going to always be you. Yeah, no, I like that. And so we've talked a lot about, I, I love this, how, how open that you are, Quinton. I, this, is, this, is, yeah. this is great because guys are going to be listening and most people don't say anything like, who talks about what it's like, you know, to be on camera? Who really talks about it, you, you know? But- no, no, nobody. Yeah. Well, you know, what's the difference between, you know, being on camera and having sex in personal life? Like for a guy, what are the differences? Um, for me personally, it's guys are very simple. We are simple creatures. Women are so much more smarter than men. And I'm going to say that now. <laughs> and men, they are. Because we think with our two heads. Literally, we think with our two heads. Women will go head to heart. Back up to head, to heart again, and then down to the vagina. That's why. That's how. Work, that's how it works. Men will just be like, "Yeah, hey, we're going to skip this part and go down." So, for me, it's in porn. It's kind of that typical bend. You skip this and you go down. Mm-hmm. Um, you skip the emotions. But me, I, I like an emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Emotional connection, I think, has some realism. So, in some of the scenes I do, and some scenes you can't, like kissing, being close. Mm-hmm. Like being close to someone is is something that you can't really do in porn. You can't blanket someone or you can't be like on top of them and like really have that passion, passion, uh, because you're not going to see any penetration. Yeah. So you have to know that I always have to be back. And if I come in for a cheeky kiss, I'll do this. But I always have to be back. I always have to be aware that the camera's on this side. So I've got to open it up to this light. They're over there. If they're on top of me, they've got to put their head to the side and look out this way. So they're facing the camera. Mm-hmm. So you get a lot of disconnect with most scenes. Mm. However, uh, companies like Balesa, which I love, kind of break that fourth wall because they, they just they just let the camera go. They're like, just have sex how you would have sex. Yeah. So I like when I say to people, I say to guys especially, 
Do not get your sex education from porn. It's not the it's not the place to get it. You watch it; it's a fantasy, yeah. and you might think like, "Oh my god, she's screaming this." Most of the time, they're faking it. I'm gonna tell you that now, because you have a guy. They're saying like, "Hey, okay, uh, thirty seconds cli- uh, climax." So the guy's behind the camera, and he's like, "Yeah," which means telling her to build up, build up, build up. And you know exactly yeah. how it is. And then and then like this, change positions, change positions, because they don't want to talk the director, so they don't have to have. As many and you just got to catch it out the corner <laughs> of your eye. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be so aware of everything. So your mental, your mental thing is is, is kind of work mode. You can be so into the girl and great chemistry and everything like that, but you're still aware of like people are here. You still got a job to do. You still got the position to do. You can have, even with the most passionate scenes and passionate sex, you still got to be like, all right, this is going on film, and especially for a lot of women too, it's hard for them to get out of that. If there's a camera there and they're having sex, it's almost like. You're playing to the camera. You still can't help it. A lot of people can't. Now you eliminate that camera and you have sex at home. You have no one to impress apart from each other. So therefore, you can listen to each other. You can really communicate. You can really say what each other wants. And a lot of people that I've had sex with that are out of porn with no camera, you don't do half the position you do. Most most people (laughs) want to be close. One or two positions on it, say. (laughs) <laughs> no, that's it. One or two positions, that's it. And you and man blanket and missionary women love because they you don't get that closeness. They want to hold you and they want to do this. They want to feel your body and then they want you to like just talk dirty in the ear and like it, it's like and that's what normal sex yeah. is. When you're drunk and like have something, yeah, you go on marathons and do the five positions. But from what I've learned and what I like is I like passionate and connection. So I like to be a little throw around like rough here and there, but. It's always that I come back down and I check in and I'll kiss you and I'll be close because I've got to get you mentally stimulated. Yeah. Women need to be, you got to make a woman come up here before you make them come down yeah. there. Like they have to be turned on up here. If they're so disassociated, which is the difference with porn, why, it, why it's, a lot of women find it difficult to come in porn is because their, their mental state is everywhere. Cameras, lights, mm. working, positions where I am. At home, you can actually relax on the feeling and then relax on the energy and relax be and be present with the person that you're with yeah it's it's like for me you know i've done scenes and you know the same i've done loads of scenes and it's we're playing for the camera we're playing for the fans but i remember i did a scene with um evan stone and it was sweet sinner i think it was sweet sinner and it was literally all closed like what you just said with ballista and he was talking the whole of the time in my ear and i was like my god this is like something totally different no opening up, no nothing, just go. Yeah. And and yeah. it's like, I'm like, this is like amazing that we can get to do it. And and then you really do forget that the camera's there. I mean, you've still got an idea yeah. because you're still going to like, well, I'm going to close up, but I'm still going to keep but, your face slightly that way. But I think, but I think you're that's right. the closest to like real life where they just let you go at it. Exactly. I would I would recommend people, if especially couples, if you watch porn together, watch pe- things like New Sensations or Balesa. And that is pretty much as close to real sex as you're going to get yeah. um, to most porn because it's kind of filmed with no cuts. You only have to cut unless you need some water or maybe maybe the guy will lose a bone a little bit or do this. But that's like normal. Like sometimes you might be like, ah, oh, shit, babe, I'm going down. I'm like, oh, I'm thirsty. Should we do a water break? And you do that in normal sex anyway. I'll do that if I'm going up there. If we're having one way, like my favorite position is like off the bed, hips up, put a hip, put something on your pillow. I'm going to lift your hips up because my penis curves. And I, I'll stand up and I like to get you from there because I'm get, 
I can be dominant, I can go fast, I can go slow, I can come in close, or you can pull me in, or I can have my hand around it, around your neck and everything like this, but it's just us. We're in this bubble and it's just us. There's, not, there's no one else. And Balesa uh, is kind of similar. It, it's, you, can, you can be in that bubble. And that's the closest to realness you can get because you can let go. As soon as you can let go mentally, then sex is going to be good, go from good to great. I feel. You know, it like like the chemistry, and I mean, me and you, we've shot together, and it, oh, it yeah. was we've met, we didn't meet each other, and I I saw pictures, nope. and I had good feedback because I always have to ask if I'm shooting for my premium social media, I want to know who's the guy, what's his social media about, yeah. what do his pictures look like, and then. I literally text people, do you know this guy? Is he good? What do you think? And I and if someone yeah. says something to me and it's just like, eh, maybe you might want to be aware of this, I'll think, oh, okay, I'll ask someone else instead. I'll, I'll ask a different guy instead. I'll ask a different person. I love good feedback. And I got like great feedback from you. And then as soon as we met, I was like, oh, yeah, my feedback was right. It's like we knew each other, even though we'd never met before. Yeah, no. And it was... It, I, I, it was so passionate and it was great on the scenes. I mean, we've we've done a few scenes together now. So I'm I'm going to go deep now. I want to know because because I've experienced this passion with you and I've you know we've done a lot of passionate scenes. We've also done a lot of disconnected scenes like what we've talked about. Yeah. But can you be in love in a scene? Like love at first sight. Um, I know a lot. I I know a lot of people. Um, meet other performers and they date from their scene. I've seen that before. Like, oh, they date from their scene. Um, people can. I think that it depends on where you are in your life and what you're looking for. Like, if you're looking for a relationship or... Um, for me, it was always... I was married, so I always had that boundary of like, okay, my, my emotions can't go anywhere else. So for me, falling in love, I could be infatuated and be like, oh, crap, that was good. Maybe I would, like, take you out on a date if I wasn't married. You know what I mean? So for me, I don't think you can fall in love in a scene, for me personally. Maybe that's because my mind is still, like, not looking for that. Yeah. But if you, if you, if your mind is looking for that too, then maybe you could. But I think love and infatuation are two very similar emotions. Mm-hmm. That you have to, because you might be like, oh, I'm in love. But, but the reality is you might just be very infatuated with that person. Yeah. I, think love take, I think love takes time to build, you know. But yes, I believe that you can be very infatuated with someone that you've been with on set and maybe want more. Do you know when I've been in a scene, I have to say, if I fully immerse myself in it, I fully immerse all my emotions. And if my chemistry yeah. is just amazing, I can feel... I can feel so much love. Like, like yeah. it's not like I want to run off with this person. I want to get married with this person. It's not that. It's not that. It's just like this deep connection. And because you are so close and because you're, you know, you're connected so much. And suddenly it's like, if you just let yourself go with it, it's like I have literally had these feelings and I'm like, this is... It, it's not like I'm in love with the person. It's like, I'm not in love with the person. I don't want to run off and I don't want to have a relationship with them. Yeah. But I just feel so much love towards the person and towards the moment. And it's sometimes when you get scenes that happen like that, it's they're just like off the chart. 
Yeah. So if you explain it that way, that's I understand that. So that to me, I understand when you get such lost in deep connection, and it's almost like you're having sex off camera with that person. You you would know like if you have that deep connection on camera like this, you know that off camera sex life will be great because you're already feeling that that emotion and as you said and that love. And I love that. I love to let go. I would love to let go. I wanna I wanna indulge in your mind, in your body, in your soul. And I want to, it's the same thing. I want you to want to let go and feel the same things because that's going to resonate so much better for the scene anyway. But, and, and, the, and it's interesting there because you said you felt all these feelings afterwards. And that's where some things can get tricky because even, and that's, sorry, that's what we are built to do, especially women, right? Like let these feelings like just be being vulnerable, you know? And being vulnerable in a scene is very difficult, but once you feel it, it's it's the same thing where you're like, well, it's off the charts. Not because maybe the actual feeling of sex and everything or the mechanical movements is off the charts. The emotional connection you had is off the charts, which makes, which is, I think it's the most important thing about sex. People are so used to like um, doing the Kama Sutra with sex, which is so fun. It really is. And you have to do it. But if you want to feel something, you have to feel that you have to be vulnerable in sex. You have to let it go. So I heard that you start a podcast. So tell me some more information about this, Quinton. Um, all right, I'm starting a podcast. Um, the website is going to be called Behind the Banter because I'm British. Um, so that's going to be uh, a website which eventually will have um, different uh, podcasts for different things. But the main one I'm focusing on, on right now is called What Women Want. And it's the same thing as what we're talking yeah. about. It's like, what do women want? Okay. Um, and women can ask themselves that all day. Like, what do women want? What do, what do men want? What would a woman want a man to be like and do? And everyone's different. Um, what do women want themselves? Whether it's, whether it's a relationship or sexual nature or life or um, just in general things, what do they need from their partner or a person yeah. and I indulge with a lot of these um, porn stars like we'll, we'll talk about the topic we'll quickly talk about how they got into porn and then I'm basically like tell me your trauma <laughs> no but in a way of like I will ask like we'll talk about the different love languages we'll talk about communication and we talk about communication a lot and how communication is so important yeah. In life and in relationships, we'll talk about the difference between on-camera sex and off-camera sex and compartmentalizing it and uh, how if you are married or you have – well, because some people in the industry are married and people do not understand how you can have a partner that's not in the industry mm -hmm. like me and then go home to them and still have a life. Yeah. Uh, so people want to understand that side and people want to understand how that works, what the struggles are with it. Uh, has it been easy? Has it not? Um, but these, the, the way it's going to be I navigate it, especially to be vulnerable you cannot dig deep and you have to let the person open mm -hmm. up you have to ask a question guide it and let them go on their own tangent about whatever the topic is you're talking about so they can open up and feel comfortable yeah. the more it's like the more I'll be like the more guys poke about a certain question or a certain oh well i heard you just broke up with so-and-so or i heard just like hey this your boyfriend left you like they're gonna close up and be like uh, no i don't want to talk about that and I tell them beforehand, like, you don't, I will, some of the people are like, okay, I don't, uh, I don't want to talk about my family. I'm like, okay, family's off the topic. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Um, but people will indulge in childhood trauma, especially. Um, 
things that were said to them when they were growing up as a kid or or, or young or a young person or in an early relationship like words stick or guys have told them this and now they have massive insecurity about mm-hmm. it for their whole life and relationship they take that into the next relationship and they take that to the next relationship and men are very men are very controlling with their words and very powerful with their words against women mm-hmm. because men are the providers and men are the um the hunters, you know what I mean? The providers and the hunters and the ones that are supposed to protect you are the protectors. Women are the nurturers. Women can destroy men emotionally, but I think men can uh, can ruin a woman's life by their words. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens a lot. And especially when men get mad and get jealous, they don't know how to, they, we don't know how to control our emotions. So we will just attack you. And when we, like, especially if we feel insecure, then we will make you feel like the smallest person ever so you can come down to our yeah. level. And we talk about all this stuff and I, we'll talk about like what has been said to you and what do you think um, they, what, what do you think could have been better? And also about women, how, how can you be better? Mm-hmm. What have you learned in your life? What can you tell these other women, especially being a porn star, um, that you've learned and, and learned and grown about yourself? Because these women, these regular women are going to watch these porn stars being vulnerable and that's yeah. what I want. Is them to be vulnerable, and I and if they want to, and I'll be talking as me as Chris Hodgson, you know, that's my real name. So it's going to be, it's going to be Quentin James, but it's going to be me because I want yeah. people to hear me. And if they want to share their real name, and now, now on Instagram, if you want to get verified, you have to put yeah. your legal name anyway. So if you're verified, I'm like, do you mind um, talking as your legal name? Say what your porn name is, but talk about your legal name. And some people find that very difficult to do in porn, and I oh, understand. Yeah, but now with Instagram, <laughs> now with Instagram, I'm like. Your, your legal name's already up there anyway. Yeah. And they're like, oh, right, yeah, okay. So because I feel that breaks the fourth wall of vulnerability for the listeners to really get to know that person, not the porn star. And that's what I want to do. I want to get people to learn and be educated by um, – because I can't tell women what they want, you know? It's up to I, us I, to tell you. It's up to you to tell me. But I, I have my knowledge, but I don't want to come across as misogynistic. But I want women to share their stories. And I have men on there too. So I'll interview men and t- uh, they'll tell me the same things um, about what they feel they've done or what they feel that women want mm. or what they feel they can do better or the bad things about women. And if there's a trend, it's like, all right, guys, if there's a trend here, listen, because everyone seems to be doing the same mistake. Why can't we learn yeah. from it? And it, um, so that's pretty much Talking about yeah. insecurities, it's like, I, I, for me, I look at you as you like six foot. Are you six foot two? You six foot two. Six six foot six two. Six foot two. Hung right. And his, and his eyes right. are blue. His eyes are blue. Six foot two. Eyes are blue. And it's just like you're toned. You're muscular. It's like you're having the time of your life. You know, it's it's. But there are insecurities that you will have. You oh. know, and because you know we are just like we we might be adult stars, porn stars, content creators, but we still have insecurities, just like other people. So you know, like. How do you handle them? Insecurities come from, like, we all have insecurities. Trust me, I come on and I come around people and I put this mask on uh, as Quentin James or even as Chris Hodgson, I put I come on and put this mask on to society. But trust me, when I come home, I've got my own demons too. I've got things that I battle with. Like, I battle highly with anxiety now. Like, especially since COVID, my anxiety is just, it's something that I've been battling with for years now. And I've had panic attacks on set in the middle of a scene mm. and I have to leave and I have to just like, and it's out of nowhere. Yeah. But I think a lot of it comes from is like, especially when you're in a relationship with someone for a long time, 
you are pretty fucking mean to each other sometimes. And it's those words can really dampen you as a person. Mm-hmm. And I, I always learn, no matter what, like, there's always a line, right? Mm-hmm. Once you start attacking below the line, that is territory where you're going to now hit trauma and you're going to make person have trauma from those words. And unfortunately, that's happened to me and, and, and they stick, you know, and that's my insecurities. Like, I mean, I've got skinny legs, so, so I've always had skinny legs. So it is an insecurity, but I'm just like, oh, whatever it is, how it is. I'm built like a stalk, you know. But I feel a lot of pressure to stay in shape or mm-hmm. and uh, or be a certain way. Or I've been told that, oh, I'm not as in shape as, uh, as I used to be, so it's not as attractive, you mm-hmm. know. So that sticks with me. And um, or, oh, your lats aren't as big anymore or your arms have got smaller. Like it's, I get, I've been told that. And it's like these little things to me, I'm like, they shouldn't matter, yeah. but they do. Because then it's in my head. And uh, then if someone else comes along and they've got all those things that have been put down, I'm going to get insecure about that person because I've been told like, oh, that's not good enough. Um, so someone else comes along that's like, that's, that's got like, you know, bigger legs or like a, a bigger appearance or like uh, something that I've been told or like, oh, I, I, I don't have my abs aren't as prominent or you don't have a six pack anymore and someone else comes along i'm like but being told that by your partner mm. is it, it, it's very hard yeah. and it sucks and it, and it's like i always learned to not go below the belt like it's it's we all have insecurities and once you once you go below the belt and you have those insecurities you're going to carry those for the rest of your life because you got to be careful what you say to each other mm-hmm. And on set, it's the same thing. I'll just put it to the side, but like I'll constantly look in the mirror and be like, oh, is, it, is this all right? Like, or, or, or if someone says, oh, well, you, you look so good, I'm in my mind, I'm like, are you just saying that or do I really? Because I've been told yeah. otherwise. Yeah. And I might think I look good one day, but then I might be brought down for, for, from the person that, for me, my validation comes, my most validation comes from the person that I love. Everyone else's validation is nice, but it doesn't matter. Some other people, take the validation from others more than they take it from their partner or someone mm-hmm. at home. So therefore, if I take validation more from someone at home and it's bad and it's, and it's, and it's criticism, I'm going to take that so much more than someone yeah. else saying it. So much more than a fan saying it because now I'm just like, wow. And then I get insecure. And then I'll be having sex and I'll be like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just in my head being like, do I look, are you thinking about someone else? I'll do this because you just said this about me. But it's the same thing. Imagine if, if, if I told the person I'm with, like, she's like, hey, do I look all right? I'm like, oh, you look a bit fat, you know what I mean? You could, you could like, lose a couple of pounds. Or, or like, uh, if, you, if your stomach was a little flatter, I think I'd find you more attractive. So, like, if you're having sex, can you suck that in, you know what I mean? Can you imagine just saying that to people? But people do. People say that to each other, and it brings on a massive insecurity mm-hmm. for those people. And on my podcast, people have told me, like, their insecurities about stupidest things that have been told to them. Yeah. We all, we do, we all have insecurities. You know, I've been through my own insecurities. I've been, like the boobs redone, they've got a size smaller. Yeah. There's, there's scars on them because there was a lot of skin. Yeah. And that was something I had to decide. Like, do I want my boobs low, hanging, heavy, sore, hurting, or do I want them up, perky with the scars? And it was a decision that I had yeah. to weigh up. And still, even now, I, I have to look at myself and I'm the one that has to tell me. I'm the one that has to tell myself, this, this, is, this is good. This is you. And you have to love yourself first. 
Like, it doesn't you, matter you... who is around me. If you can love yourself first and foremost, everything else for me, it's just bat it, bat it off. But it's hard. It's hard to it like... I don't want to hear it. Block, it, it, don't it, listen. <laughs> no, it is. It's, you make a very, very good point there. I feel like you have to love yourself before you can really love anyone else. Because if you don't love yourself, how can you love another person unconditionally or love them if you do not love yourself and you are constantly insecure about yourself and you're constantly nitpicking? Because we do. We are our own worst critic. We'll get out of the shower. We'll look at ourselves. And uh, so it's a mental thing, and that can come from, from like trauma or babies or this and this, and it's like, and it's going to bring you insecurities. But if you can love yourself to be like, you know what? I don't know people that are bigger, curvy, like big and beautiful. They're like, I love my body. I'm like, and it's great. And they're like, and then people, other people, are like, you're insecure because that boob sits a little lower than that one. And then this big person that's 200 pounds is like, I'm so confident. I love myself. I love my curves. You, it's a mental yeah, thing, I think. And the more you can love and accept yourself, no matter what, scars and everything, the more you can say, bat it off, bat it off, bat it off, the more thick-skinned you're going to become and the more that you'll be able to open up and love and accept others too. Trust me, I don't, at this moment in time, I'm pretty honest, I don't love myself right now. And that's my own insecurities. And that's a lot of things going on in my personal life. So there's stuff that I'm working on to get back to a point, to honestly get my confidence yeah. back. And that's what it is. It's getting my confidence back so I can I can love myself again how I used to, but also be stronger with what I've learned in life and the mistakes I've made and um, the things that I've learned to be better at. But it's been a tough journey. It's been a hard journey um, the last few years. And um, it, it does take a damper on your mental state. And it does affect your performance too sometimes because – you are now overloaded with all these insecurities. You don't love yourself and you still have to perform. Yeah. So that's my insecurities, guys. So it's just, honestly, it's like people will look up to me and do this and be like, oh my God, he's quitting James, he's a porn star, he's this and that. And I do. And I come to work with a smile on my face day to day. But sometimes I'm exhausted and sometimes I will sit at home anxious and depressed. You know what mm. I mean? It's, 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 it's life and it's okay yeah. to be like that. It's okay. Like you're allowed to have those dark days. You're allowed to not always be happy. You're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to cry. You're allowed to be overwhelmed, and that's part of being human. Uh, I love it. You yeah. you are so amazing. Like to just open up and to share like your vulnerabilities and to share you know how how it really is. And I'm sure all our listeners and viewers are really going to appreciate seeing this side of you because people just they hide it all so. <laughs> they do they do they hide it all and it's it's i try to be chris hodgson and quinton james at the same time when i'm at work i am not a different person i am the same person but it's like going out to see friends i'm gonna put whatever insecurities i have behind me and try and have a good yeah. time you know same thing at work because i because i have to and the problem is, it's like if, if, if you date someone or you see someone at home, they're going to get the vulnerabilities of those insecurities. So therefore, it's almost like they know your weaknesses. So when it comes time to arguments, arguments, you use those weaknesses against someone else to knock them down a couple pegs because you're feeling a certain way. And that's life. And it happens to all us porn stars yeah. as well. 
It happens to me. It happens to that. And people even do it on set in the industry as well. And it affects people. So what you see online is always going to be the smoke and mirrors mask version of that mm. person. But I'm, I'm, I can't wait to see you again. I think I'm going to be making a trip to okay. Vegas. <laughs> yeah, going to make a trip to Vegas, and then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to cry, <laughs> hold each other you know, and cry. Oh, do you know what? I won't cry. I'll just hold you, Quinton. Because oh, can, just, can I yeah, cry? You can. You can, cry. can, can I'll cry, and you can hold my head. I haven't had a good cry, and I'm due a good cry. I haven't had a good cry in a while. I'm due. I'm a, a really cry. good person for I that. Am. Like honestly, I'm very yeah Are you? yeah. I'm very nurturing, very caring, and, and if you want to like talk to me, I will sit there and I will listen. Honestly, no. See, I love it, and I love, I love people, and that, I won't judge that can. I won't judge. Anything. No, and that's what I mean. We, but we all, we all judge, and that's why people find it hard to be vulnerable because you don't want to be judged. Me, I'm just like if people, <clears throat> people judge all the time. I don't care. Share my share my emotions, and because I'm not a super superstar, I'm not a Superman. I'm not impenetrable. I'm just a guy who got lucky with his looks, looks and works on it, like and uses it to his advantage for now, while I can. But I'm still like I've still got a soft center. I've still got things on my inside. But that's what makes me me. Yeah. And I'm a lot, and I'm giddy, and I like when I'm happy, I'm like eccentric and overwhelming. Um, <laughs> I, I, it can be a lot for people to take. On the on the deep down side, like I still have the same just just God um, insecurities. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like trauma and and everything that you have that I have to battle with that you don't see on the screen. Yeah. And a lot of porn people do. A lot of people battle with things that you have no idea about because you just know them on the screen. Yeah. And you have to remember that we as performers, we're still a human. We still have a home to go to. We still have a life. We still feel the same things as everyone that watches us feel. Yeah. Even as a man here. So men, I'm going to tell you, if you look up to me and you think I'm this stallion, just remember. I'm still a person, you know? I'm still like you. I still have all the same that you will deal with on a daily basis too. Um, people might be like, well, you've got looks and this and this and everything else. Fine, okay. I'm a, I'm a good looking guy. That is fine. But that's not everything. That's not everything about me. That's not who I am. It's just happened to be what I've given. So. And you've been given amazing things. And you've been, it's really been amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Quinton, so much for being on the podcast thank you very much success tell everyone where they can follow you online all right guys you can follow me on uh the quentin james life on instagram you can follow me on uh only fans for us quentin james twitter quentin james xxx also look out for my uh podcast which will be called behind the banter and it's going to be what women want podcast i'm just launching those now so um they'll be attached to my profiles as well um, and that's where you can find me. So, but Tanya, it's been so great talking Thank to you. Thank you, and you too. Thank you, my love. I'll see you soon in Vegas. Mm. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. This is Tanya Tate, Skinfluencer Success. Thank you all for joining me on Tanya Tate Presents Skinfluencer Success Podcast. Gratitude is a gift we give to ourselves a light that brightens our path. Expecting nothing in return is the purest form of appreciation, for in the act of gratitude, we find the truest measure of our riches. I love those words. They, they really resonate with me right now. I want to know what are you grateful for? I'd love to hear. 
Do you have a story on how any of my podcasts have inspired you to be a better person? And who do you want me to have as my next guest? What questions or advice would you want us to discuss? I invite you to share feedback with me. You can leave feedback or ask me questions relevant to the Skinfluencer Success Podcast using the hashtag AskTanyaTate. You can ask me by commenting on my latest posts on Twitter and Patreon at TanyaTate, TikTok and YouTube at TanyaTateTube, Instagram at TanyaTateCreate, and you can also leave me a voice note on my SpeakPipe, speakpipe.com slash TanyaTate, and you might get featured on a future episode. So let's listen to my favorite SpeakPipe voice notes of this episode. Hey, baby. This is Mark. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Love you. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Oh, so that was from Mark. Mark says, hope you're having a great day. Love you. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I hope that you are having a great day too. And I hope your day is even better now that you've just heard yourself be played on the Tanya Tate Skinfluencer Success Podcast. That was great. Let's see. Who else has left us a voice note? Hiya, Tanya. Um, it's Nick here. Um, loving the podcast. And I just want to ask, is there anyone that you idolise, whether it be in the adult, in adult industry or not? Um, is there anyone that you look up to? Thank you. Bye. Love, Nick. Okay. Thank you, Nick. That was a really great question. Is there anyone I idolise or look up to? have to say, as a kid, I never really idolized anybody specifically. I, I don't think I was looking at someone and say, oh yeah, they're amazing. What I did idolize was I always wanted to be that other person. I'd see like another kid and I'd want to be that kid. Or I'd see someone on top of the pops and I'd want to be that singer. But it wasn't just one person. It was numerous times in my life that I always felt like I wanted to be that other person. And the things and the struggles that I've been through, like just silly things like I remember my mum telling me, well, you know, some weeks we, we couldn't afford to get sugar. So we had to pick, well, she had to pick, she did the shopping, sugar or something else. Like, that's harsh. And I know that there's families that are struggling like that now. Families and people that are struggling to choose sugar over another item of food. Actually, I don't even eat sugar now. <laughs> As I'm sitting here, while I was a kid, sugar went a lot. It was, it was were my cornflakes going to have sugar on them? They tasted so much nicer with sugar on. But I didn't really like look up to anybody. I didn't really idolize anybody. But what I did realize that I love traits from different people. And I look at different people and I see strengths in them. And when I see something that I like what I see, listeners... Matt, don't cut this bit out. Matt's the po Matt's my podcast editor. Don't cut this bit out. But the dog was just snoring. I just had to stop. And I had to go up to and say, Millie, stop snoring. Otherwise, you're going to have to go in the cave. So hopefully she won't snore again. I was deep in thought then answering Nick's question. 
So in terms of idolizing people, I realize now that what I do, I look at different people and I, I see strengths and qualities that I like. And I look at people that are successful and I see their success. And then I find myself interested in knowing, well, what skills do they have to meet that success? And I'm not talking about CEOs. I don't want to be a CEO of a massive com- company. But I want to be someone that makes a difference. And I've had friends. And I see people with big hearts. And they're the people that I idolize. They're the people that I look up to. And they're the people that I emulate. You got me thinking there, Nick. Thanks for that question. Very thought-provoking. So hit me up with your mail and name and address. Mark and Nick. Nick, she she already knows. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Nick, um, I know your name and address. Mark, if you were listening, you heard this, make sure that you send me your name and address so I can send you a thank you photo for your show of appreciation for leaving a speak pipe voice note that I played and I liked because let's be honest not all of the speak pipe speak pipe speak pipe voice notes that I play make me smile (laughs) if you are listening to the podcast on apple amazon audible and are inspired by any of the words you hear please leave me a written review and give me five stars. And you can also leave a five-star rating on Spotify. So thank you guys for the support. Keep it coming. I love hearing what you think of the show. And of course, if you do want to get to call me directly on phone or video call, you know where you can find me on my premium social media platforms, sexpanther.com slash Tanya Tate or onlyfans.com slash Tanya Tate. And we can get to chat one-on-one over there. Follow me on Twitter and Patreon at Tanya Tate. TikTok and YouTube at Tanya Tate Tube, Instagram at Tanya Tate Create, and you can see all of my official links, including my premium social media on my link tree. Just search link tree and my name, Tanya Tate, all one word. I also have a link tree for the links for my podcast, which is if you search link tree and then Tanya Tate Tube, all one word, you'll also get to see the podcast links. And remember, if you don't see it on either of my link trees, it's not me. The Skinfluencer Success Podcast is available on skinfluencersuccess.com and all major podcast platforms. Watch it first on patreon.com slash tanyatate. It also gets released on onlyfans.com slash tanyatate and later on youtube.com slash tube. Patreon members get to exclusively see me reveal in advance this episode's podcast guest and will be treated to exclusive clips that don't make the final cut. Tears come with benefits. This episode's shout out of appreciation for being a level up tier member goes to Caller69, Nicola Ward and Ronald K. Thank you for your support. And this Patreon super fan sponsor of this episode is Kev. Shout out of gratitude to Kev, our sponsor. And you too can sponsor this podcast by signing up on my Patreon at Tanya Tate. This is Tanya Tate. You've been listening to Skinfluencer Success. 
Practicing gratitude opens the door to a wealth of happiness and opportunities. Now go, get out there and go build your bank. Mm-hmm.